Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, Soon, and very soon, we're going to be celebrating Mother's Day. And and I know some of you are saying, yes, a couple weeks away. It will be here before you know it. So are you prepared? That is the question. So uh, we are privileged to have back on with us. Um, a chef extraordinaire who is going to give us some tips on on how we can make that Mother's Day meal special. Chef George Ashford from CB Bistro, South Hiawassee Road, Metro West. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm great, G. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you back. How things been going? It's my pleasure. Good, good. So... We we are you know we we I, I'm just trying to do get it get it, I guess into the mindset of what we should be planning you know the shopping and the preparation and everything for Mother's Day or if you take her out you know kind of things to to make it I guess a little bit more special and maybe not do the same things over and over and over again but also you know create a, just create a, an experience for mom uh, what kind of suggestions do you have for that well. Number one, uh, Mother's Day is the biggest day for going out, out of all the holidays. And um, you're going to have an experience, even with reservations, you're going to wait in line. Uh, We've all done it. Uh, You're going to wait in line. You're going to not necessarily have the best experience that that restaurant can offer. So if you can make it at home yourself, you're going to save time, you're going to save money, and you're going to create a – a situation where it's it's something special. There's few things say I love you more than making a fresh home cooked meal for your um yeah, for your uh, mom or your wife or friend, whoever it may be. All right, so where where do we start? Um I guess one of the things we need to look at is, you know, I guess how experienced you are in in the kitchen and, and whether or not you, you, you is this is something like a relatively easy but truly amazing dish that can be prepared for mom, something that she'll appreciate. Uh, you know, with I think everybody feels like it has to, you know, be over the top, and sometimes simple is better, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you don't have to be intimidated. We're going to make this real simple for you. The number one thing in preparing food at home, whether it's for a small group, intimate group, or whether it's a a party, is to be prepared ahead of time. So you want to do all of your prep and all of your preparation ahead of time. So when your guests arrive, whether it's your mom or friend, whoever it may be, you're going to make sure that all of your ingredients are already done. So you're just assembling you're assembling things when they come. And I can give you one of the most popular recipes for um, Mother's Day. It's like a surf and turf. Everybody thinks of that. It's really, really popular. You don't have to be intimidated by, by it. I'm going to tell you how to do it and how to do it real simple. So the first thing is you want to uh, select your meat. Uh, the most popular meat um, for that occasion is, is tenderloin or filet mignon. Don't have to be intimidated by that. Again, you're going to go to maybe a box store. When I say box store, I'm referring to like a Costco's or Sam's. I suggest that because the prices are the most reasonable. 
and you're going to, uh, they already have pre-cut fillets to the different sizes that you wish. Normally, their uh, their cuts of meats uh, for the fillets are choice, and that's a perfectly great grade of meat to get. You don't have to get prime. Somewhat of a waste of money to get prime with a filet mignon because it's a very, very tender steak, and it's not going to have the marbling that you're looking for in a prime steak. So you get that cut of steak. Or the, your steak's already cut up. And what we like to do at the bistro and at catering best, CP Catering, we like to actually prepare um, um, different types of spices and seasonings. Now, I know it's traditional where everybody says you have salt and pepper on your filet and you want the taste of the filet to speak for itself. We're a little bit different. We like the flavors and seasonings um, that go with it on the outside of the steak. And then when you slice that steak open, it's going to be nice and moist and juicy inside, and you're going to taste that flavor and balance. Um, so my suggestion is get a uh, – we make our own seasoning salt, but you can get a good seasoning salt. And you have a good cracked pepper, and you can have a little bit of garlic, a little bit of roasted garlic with it too. And you make that uh, seasoning with a little bit of oil, and you massage it into the fillets and let that rest. It's important to let your steaks rest before you start to cook them. You know, you want them to get somewhat room temperature, you know, and not, you know, in a obviously air-conditioned room. And then you, a simple preparation of that, you're going to prepare like a, a iron skillet, a little bit of uh, extra virgin olive oil, and you're going to sear the filet. You're not going to cook it completely. You just want to sear it to get that charring on both sides. You want to have that caramelization on the steaks is what you're looking for, on both sides of the steaks, and then you want to go along the edges too. You can have tongs that kind of move your steak around the edges so it's completely charred and sealed all the way around. So inside it's going to be rare, but that's okay because we're going to finish that steak in the oven to the temperature that you desire. And you remove the steak from the skillet, set it to the side to rest, and then you're going to start your preparation of the rest of your items. Now, traditionally, um, um, surf and surf, you're thinking of a lobster tail along with the filet. Well, it can be anything. You know, you can save a few dollars instead of getting the lobster tail, and also it depends on what you like, too. Instead of getting a lobster tail, you can make a dish called shrimp de john, and it's very simple and easy to make. At the bistro and at our catering facility, we actually get the colossal shrimp. Um, we take the tail off. They're clean and the veins completely. I mean, it's a beautiful golf shrimp. And we put it in a, a, a casserole dish. It's going to take the heat. Um, I like a smaller casserole dish so that it doesn't have a lot of uh, expansion. And you can lay your shrimp into that, your clean shrimp in that dish, and you add a little bit of dry white wine. You're going to set it in the oven at like 350 degrees, and you're going to let it poach to about 65 70%. And then you're going to take it out of the oven, strain the, the dry white wine off of it, and let that rest. And we're going to make... Um, what we call a scampi butter. Now, at the bistro, we would make a scampi butter, but you can actually purchase this. You can purchase it at your stores, grocery stores. You can purchase it at the box stores. They have a garlic butter, really good European garlic butter. You want to mix that with a little bit of um, a breadcrumbs, Italian breadcrumbs. You also want to add a little bit of the John dressing to that. Uh, I'm sorry, the John mustard a little bit of Worcestershire sauce, just a dash, and you're going to make like a paste out of it. And you're going to take that and you're going to, you're going to uh, smear that over your shrimp that are, that are, at this point, they're nice and dry. You poured the ex excess wine off of it. And put that over your, um, your shrimp in a, in a very heavy coating and let that rest. Now you're all set. Now you're prepared for your guests to walk in the door. You have your steak. You have your lobster already prepared. You can do a baked potato if you want with that or your mashed potatoes, yellow rice if you wish. 
goes very nicely with that. And I suggest maybe asparagus, asparagus spears. You're basically going to take your asparagus, you cut off the uh, the ends of them so that you want the nice and tender portion, and you're going to blanch the asparagus in uh, boiling water for just a couple of seconds, maybe about 30 seconds. You want them still firm. You're going to remove them from the boiling water with a little salt in that boiling water. Remove them from the boiling water. Let the asparagus rest. And then you can use the same skillet. If you, if you prepare it in a skillet, you can just pour that water off the skillet and dry out the same skillet. Put a little bit of olive oil in the skillet. And now you're going to char your um, asparagus just lightly. You're completely ready to go. You got your baked potato, your yellow rice. When your guests arrive, now it's just a matter of putting different items in the oven. And, you know, it goes nicely with a glass of wine. You can set the table. This is the time to pull out your best china. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, maybe go to the store, get some flowers to put on that table, make it look really, really special. So I have a question about something you mentioned with regards to using an iron skillet because I know quite a few of us have gotten away from maybe using an iron skillet and we were doing the nonstick uh, surfaces or we're doing or stainless steel or whatever. And I wanted to ask you, why an iron skillet? Well, the iron skillet has the ability to sear better than anything else. Um, you want to get that searing on the iron skillet. You can do it with a nonstick skillet, too. And I'm not saying you can't. You can't. But, you know, mm-hmm. in the restaurant, you know, we're going to use an iron skillet because we want that nice charring. You want that nice charring on both sides and sealed all the way around. And very few things do it better than iron. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So, um what the how much does it cost to invest in a good iron skillet and what do you, is there something in particular that you look for when you're you're making a purchase of that again you can go to the box stores i mean it's a simple probably about 25 24 25 dollars and okay. it's good it's a good tool to have in the house it's one of those things that um it's i mean i have my iron skillet from my grandmother it was right so you know, you know that's how we used to cook in the old days. So we had a, you know, we had a lot of basically everything was done in iron skillet. But basically, right. uh, about twenty five dollar investment, and you know, okay. it's it's a good investment. It's good to have. You can do a lot of things with it. Now, speaking of maybe you have one that's been handed down and you've kind of let it go. Um, you. There, my understanding is you're supposed to season them. Uh, is, is that the correct term, and, and how do you do that? That's correct. That's correct. Well, what you want to do to season a skillet, um, one of the ways in which you want to, first of all, keep it. A lot of the skillets come that you purchase now, they come pre-seasoned, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you that right okay. on the label, pre-seasoned. But let's say you have just an older skillet. The way in which you want to care for it, is every time you use it, of course, you're going to wash it. And then after you wash it, dry it very well. And you're going to take a, a like a vegetable oil and rub that vegetable oil into the skillet to keep any form of rusting. Um, if, you, if you have a skillet that's not pre-seasoned, you can actually take oil. It's a little bit awkward because it's going to involve a high heat. You can take a little bit mm-hmm. of oil and rub the oil throughout the skillet. You don't want an excess oil. You want a dry oil. You, you want it dry. You know, you don't want loose oil. And then basically okay. you, want to get that, you want to get that skillet really, really hot, as hot as, you know, you can get. It's going to start to smoke and that kind of thing a little bit, and you're going to set it to the side once it's smoke. And you might, you might want to repeat that same process after it cools down about two or three times before you actually cook with it. But the preparation is, is that you're constantly, you wash and you, you care for your uh, iron skillet, skillet by uh, drying it completely and putting oil on it after each use and then put it in the way. Okay. Something else you mentioned too was about asparagus, which 
<laughs> I have an issue with. But anyway, because I just, it's like, you're wasting food. Why are we cutting the asparagus? Um, so anyway, it was all right. So I've gotten to point, yes, you have to cut the asparagus. <laughs> but uh, go ahead, you were saying? You can use your favorite vegetable, but the asparagus are not, I mean, it's a great vegetable that goes with the dish if you like it, you know, you don't use yes. something else. Use broccoli, use a medley of vegetables, whatever you want, you can use. I just picked right. asparagus. Yeah. No, so, I was thinking the, the, the same in, thing in terms of using asparagus. I thought that was a good suggestion. I guess what I'm trying to, to determine is so how do you select a good um, bunch of asparagus in what is, is there a rule in terms of the cutting of the, t- the ends? Yes. Yes. So what you want to do, you have a bunch of, you have, they, they come in a bunch and you want to take a bunch of asparagus and you want to check the tips, the tips of the spear. And you want it firm. You know, if it's starting, if it's kind of soft and mushy, you don't want those. You want something firm and that firmness is going to, that's going to give you the, um, you know, the type of freshness that you're looking for. At the bottom of the asparagus uh, spear, you'll you'll see about an inch, inch and a half. It'll be a white or off uh, greenish um, color to it. You can feel that that's actually hard and it has a tough texture to it. That's the point that you want to cut it off. You know, it's when in a restaurant. Um, you know, we use everything. So in a restaurant, in our catering business, we would use that for cream of asparagus soup. You would make stock out of that. That's part of your vegetable stock. So you don't waste anything like in a restaurant. But but if you're making a presentation like this, you know, most people aren't going to take the asparagus um, uh, that they cut off and put it away and then make soup out of it. So they'd rather have little bundles of things in your refrigerator. <laughs> you want to toss it. But again, like I said, in the restaurant we use everything. That that goes into a stock pod, and and it's going to go. You know, we're going to make vegetable the stock for vegetable soup out of it, or some sort of vegetable uh, gravy, if you will. That's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I appreciate that. Anything. Thank you. Even yeah. the eggshells, even the eggshells that um, most people discard, and we discard them too. But in restaurants, if you're making like a um, a consomme of some sort. The eggshells mm-hmm. go into the soup, this big kettle, because you're going to strain all of this. It goes into the kettle to make the consomme clear. And almost people, that's just, that's something that chefs know and people in the industry know. The eggshells wow. go into the consomme to actually make it clear. And then they're going to strain it all with a very, very fine strain. And so we we basically try not to waste anything in a restaurant, you know, and in our catering business. That's what we primarily do. Well, that's good to know because especially with the cost of, of food the way it is right now, you know, no, no one wants to really waste anything. So that's those are good suggestions. Thank you so much. Um, Smart uh, Do you have a recommended dessert for mom? Sure, sure. But before then, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to try to finish this meal. So now your oh, guests okay, arrive. You wanna, yeah, you want to find out what their temperatures are that they're looking for. Their you know what, you know what they enjoy for their steak. Um, uh-huh. If the temperature if the temperature is medium, for example, a nice pink center. It's a warm pink center that you're looking for. You're going to take um, your fillet. You're going to put it in the oven. And and what we do in our industry, we actually as a chef, you're going to actually feel, you're going to touch it, okay? The softer it is, okay, like if you touch a rare steak in the center, it's going to be very, very soft, you know. It's not going to be firm and off. It's going to be very, very soft. So you know that's going to be a very rare steak, okay? As it cooks okay. more, what happens is that the steak actually gets a little bit uh, coarser. Not tough, but it gets a little bit coarser as it cooks. So you a medium is going to have some resistance, you know, but not a lot. And you want that nice pink center. So it's going to take a little bit of practice with that, but it's not it's not rocket science. You can, you know, it's better. We say in our industry, it's better for you to undercook it than to overcook it. Okay. Because you can't. Yeah, you can't change that once you overcook it. You have to start over again. But 
But basically, right. you're going to put it in the oven. Let's say the person wants it medium. You put it in the oven, and you want to have it where it has some firmness. If it's very, very firm, then it's well done. You know, if it's like, you know, to your touch, center of the steak. Center of the steak rare is going to be very, very, um, it's, going to, it's going to give way. It's going to have a lot of buoyancy to it. But if it's, um, okay, yeah. So that's how you're going to Good. start to cook your steak. With the John, the shrimp to John is six, 70% done. So what you're going to do with that, you're going to put the shrimp back into the oven and let that casserole, uh, the, the, the breadcrumbs, the garlic scampi butter, uh, all of that is going to merge together with a, a little bit of the Dijon, the Worcestershire sauce, and that's going to just give a nice uh, coating where it's going to have a crusting to it. So by the time it gets back up to temperature and has a crusting to it, it's not going to take very long at all. So you're looking at probably in a, say, 400-degree oven, you're looking at maybe seven, eight minutes for the shrimp Dijon. You know, but you want to also check that, too, because, this is, you know, before you when you when you prepared the shrimp down initially, you had it in a poaching solution, and it's going mm-hmm. to turn white, you know, and that's what okay. you're looking for. And once it turns white, it's not quite done, but you're going to take it out, strain the wine off of it, put the the paste of the, the scampi butter and the breadcrumbs and all of that together, you put it back in the oven, you're going to finish it. So you have your steak coming out, you have your um, shrimp to John coming out at the same time, and then you're also taking, you know, you have your asparagus um, that you're uh, going to actually serve, and that's you just need to warm that up for a second. And that's it. you got a nice meal. You have a potato that you chose, whether it's potato or rice, and you have a nice, mm-hmm. elegant meal for, um, you know, to serve your guests. For dessert? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's um, there's so many wonderful desserts out here. Um, I mean, you can make something special yourself. Like I know we mm-hmm. went through bread bread pudding, I believe, last time. You can prepare something, um, you know, quite simple. Well, let's, okay, this is going to really take you perhaps out of your comfort zone, but this is a very very simple uh, preparation. You can do something called cherries jubilee. And basically, you're getting bean cherries. You can buy them at the grocery store in the frozen uh, fruit department, and it's bean cherries, and mm-hmm. they're pitted already. You're going to take that, and um, you're going to take uh, um, orange zest, okay? Um, okay. The zest of the orange, and you're going to have a little bit of um, uh, cognac on the side, and you okay. have a little bit of orange juice and a little bit of, of brown sugar. Those are the ingredients. And just a touch of butter. That, those are the All basic right. ingredients that, that go into this particular sauce that you're going to make for a good ice cream. So you're going to get a, you choose your favorite, but a good quality uh, vanilla bean ice cream. Have a nice scoop of that hard. And what you're going to do is have the, you're going to take the uh, um, bean cherries, you're going to simmer them, um, add a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of that zest, and you're going to take it off of the flame and just take a little bit of the cognac. Again, away from the fire, off of the flame, mm-hmm. add a little bit of cognac to it. You don't have to flame it. It's going to burn off if you don't flame it. But, you know, in, the, in our restaurant, and as well as in our catering facility, we would flame it. So, um, okay. you know, but yeah. So you have, and that burns off the uh, the cognac. You're going to take that solution and just after it's, it's going to, it's going to create like a little syrup, uh, syrupy uh, texture to it with the bean cherries. You're going to take that and just pour that right over the ice cream. It makes a wonderful cherry jubilee. Again. In the catering mm-hmm. facility, if we're serving something like that, we would make a show out of it and have a, a nice flambe or banana flambe, this sort of thing. And you're you're seeing this beautiful presentation. You know, you're you're paying for the sizzle as well as the right. Wow. Okay. I think we're set. You know, yeah. and so I guess I'll be listening to the show again. We encourage everybody else, save the link, because you may need to go back over all of this. But this, sure. this is perfect. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, but like and, you, and you gave us a little extra. About no, it, yeah. it really doesn't sound that that uh, hard at all. Uh, you, we, I know you gave us some extra time today, but we appreciate it. Thank you so much. My you have pleasure. a good day. And, you, and, uh, you take take care of the moms, okay? I will. I will. Okay. My mom's. Thanks. By the way, my mom's ninety six years old. Wow! Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Blessing. All blessing. right. Well, happy Mother's Day to her and and your wife and and all the lucky moms in, in your life. Take care. Thank you so much, Steve. Blessings to you. Thank you. So we're going to take a quick break. In a moment, we're going to have Kevin Anderson on to catch us up on a couple of cases that, uh, a couple of things that occurred since the last time we talked. I know you're wondering why we brought him back so soon, but he's coming. So just stay with us. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And we want to thank Chef George Ashford from CBB Show for joining us this morning and giving us a few tips on the perfect Mother's Day meal um so if you've been looking for something you've been kind of wrecking your brain you know uh, he made it really simple and elegant and tasty for us to do so uh thank you again chef george um kevin's going to be on with us in a minute i have to say something though um before kevin comes on so i mentioned last week i had gone to see uh the movie chevalier i actually went again last night because i actually had passes last night uh, before I had got the ones last week. Movie's great. It's coming out on the 21st, but that's not my issue. My issue, my issue is, so, and I'm, I'm going to try to be quick, but uh, this kind of has something to do with what Melville yesterday was talking about in terms of etiquette and how you, you handle situations and stuff like that. So um, anybody who has signed up and have been to these advanced screenings knows that, um, you know, you sign up, you wait in line, um, you know, you get there early and everything like that, and it's kind of first come, first serve, okay? So if you've done it for a while, you kind of learn the ropes, you understand that. The thing that I am, am having an issue with is um, this was full, and there were a lot of people that wanted to get in because a lot of people that are going to these advanced screenings are going because movies are expensive. And so if you can get the opportunity to go to one of these things, it takes less money out of your entertainment budget and you're enjoying a good movie and getting a perspective on it uh, before everybody else chimes in. Sometimes they reserve spaces for media or for special groups. And when those seats are reserved, um, you can't access them. You can't access them uh, before the movie. Sometimes you can't access them at the time the movie starts, even if they, the, the group does not show up. And sometimes you can't access them, the whole movie. And so last night when people were waiting in line and they put them on hold to try to get in, there were these seats that were reserved, at least as far as I could tell, did not show up. So through the course of the movie, these seats were, were just there. Now, 
when when we when I sign up, people like me and other people sign up, you know, like I said, it's first come, first serve. We don't get reserved seats. So if you um, don't show up in time, you know, you miss it. But for the reserved people, it doesn't matter whether you show up or not. For those people that get reserved seats, let me just say this. Be courteous enough that if you or your group is not showing up, to call the theater in advance, because sometimes it may be hard for you to get to the organizer, but maybe at least call the theater in advance and say, you know, even if it's five minutes in advance and say, hey, it looks like we're not going to be able to make it, okay? Because you're privileged. You get a seat whether you show up an hour ahead of time or five minutes till or at the time that the movie starts. Your seat is waiting for you. Other people who have driven there and decided to wait an hour or more just to see whether or not they are going to get a seat, you know, they are not as lucky. So just be courteous enough, honor your commitment, and show up, okay? And I'm I'm guilty. Sometimes I don't get a chance to show up for my seat because I have to work or something like that. But my seat is not being held. Someone else is going to get my seat, whether I'm there. And, and I may get there and still not get a seat. But for you that have a seat reserved, be courteous enough to call in advance and say you're not coming and release your seat to someone who has waited in line for half hour, hour, hour and a half, two hours, depending on what the movie is. Just be nice enough to do that um, or at least just show up you know, whether you feel like it or not. And there, we understand there are extenuating circumstances, but that's not necessarily always the case. So just please think about that. And that's my pet peeve for the day. Um, Kevin Anderson, are you there? I am here. I'm listening to you. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. Good afternoon, rather. <laughs> How are you? Good afternoon to you and your listening audience. I'm I'm doing well. How are you doing? All right. I'm good. I, I'm good. The movie's great. It's just that, you know, I see this happen so much. And like I said, we just had a show yesterday about etiquette. I just think it's proper etiquette to be considerate of others, you know, when especially when you, you know, may be a little bit more privileged than some people aren't. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that. Okay. Okay. Point taken. So we have to play catch-up because some things have occurred since the last time we talked. <laughs> we did not know we'd be talking again this soon. Um, apparently, uh, you take your life in your own hands when you show up at someone's door and, and ring the doorbell and you've accidentally gone to the wrong place. Uh, we want to talk about the young man um He's recovering, thank God. But apparently this is not uh, uh, the case with some. Um, a young lady lost her life almost, you know, pretty much doing the same thing. Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. You're, you're referencing uh, a 16-year-old young man by the name of Ralph Yarl. Uh This took place uh, when... Uh, the young man was going to pick up his uh, his uh, brothers, uh, his twin brothers, I believe, at a uh, at a local residence, and apparently went to the wrong house. But when he uh, went to the door, the resident of the the, the home uh, shot through a glass door, striking Ralph uh, apparently in the head region and also somewhere in his arm. Uh, initially, we had heard that he was shot in his back, so I'm getting conflicting uh, media reports uh, about the uh, actual location of the injuries, but the latest that I've heard is that he was shot uh, in the head and in the arm. Uh, the young man uh, was not fatally wounded. Um, he was hospitalized and has since been released. He's at home. Um, he's recovering. <clears throat> the latest did state that uh, Ralph is not yet out of the woods. With respect to the shooter, uh, this uh, was an 84-year-old man. Uh, he is a white man. Ralph Yarl is a black teenager. Uh, the investigators in the case, including the prosecutor, have stated that they believe 
there is a racial component uh, to the encounter between the two. The uh, shooter has now uh, been released on bail after turning himself in for two felony charges of assault and armed criminal action. Uh, the bail, which was posted, was $200,000. Uh, what has now been discussed is his initial detention, which was just mere hours, and then his release, followed by uh, his then arrest in the posting of $200,000 bail. In addition, what is relived from Trevon Martin, uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, where you have these uh, encounters involving uh, gunfire and injury mm-hmm. uh, to black men by white shooters. Kevin, before you go any further, uh, please, we want to take a quick break because we are having a connection issue. So could you possibly hang up and call back in? Oh, yes, you can't hear me. Yes, can you hear me? No, we can hear you, but it's it's a little bit staticky or garbled or something like that, so we want to clear that yeah. up. Um, yeah, so going we're going to take a quick break. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Love your hair, but hate the damage? I love my waves, but it gets rough. It's like a tug of war. It's big and curly, but frizzy. This color is so me, but... So dry. Whatever the damage, dove your hair. Dove Incense Repair deeply nourishes hair for our ultimate damage protection. Green and beautiful. So smooth. Yes, the curls. No, the prints. For our ultimate damage protection, Dove Incense Repair. Dove it, love it. Hey there, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We're back with Kevin Anderson of Anderson & Welch, uh, civil rights attorney, and uh, we're talking about uh, the uh, shooting of Ralph Yarl, uh, who rang the uh, doorbell at the wrong address and um, ended up uh, getting shot by the homeowner. Um, Go ahead, please, uh, finish what you were saying, Kevin. Thank you for letting me know that I uh, was a little garbled. Uh, is the reception better? Thank you. Let me know if you, if you need me to make adjustments. We're, we're having uh, thunderstorms here, and uh, oh dear, you know, we have had some communication issues down in South Florida, so uh, so that might be the problem. But uh, the last thing I uh, stated was the uh, the nightmare uh, that oftentimes uh, revisits us from the Trayvon Martin and the Ahmad Arbery incidents, where you have. Uh, a white shooter uh, and a black victim. Uh, here we go again. Uh, that is uh, kind of the chant and the the, uh, the memory that is uh, uh, being dealt with uh, with regard to this particular instance. Uh, it's been some protests, uh, a ton of media responses, a lot of scuttle all over the community uh, about this particular matter. All right. So, what is what is the rule with regards to defending your property, and what is your obligation to the person that comes on your property? Uh, there is a law that we have in Florida. It's in the colloquial uh, called the, the Stand Your Ground Law. Uh, essentially, mm-hmm. it's uh, immunity. Uh, to the shooter or the homeowner or the person who defends themselves. It it doesn't necessarily have to be a gunshot uh, where the person feels threatened uh, and uh, the threat is reasonable. And uh, that person at that point is uh, in a place where they do not have a duty to retreat. Um, Our law in Florida gives a homeowner um, an absolute right to use force, including deadly force, if they feel that they are in a position where you're going to do harm or you're going to do something which would result in um, even a trespass onto their property. Uh, going into a house or going into, onto the curtilage is perhaps the number one defensible uh, activity 
where force is used to repel the aggressor or the trespasser. Um, we've seen the deadly ground, uh, the deadly danger ground, rather, uh, law applied in uh, public scenarios uh, with one-on-one encounters in, in the street or sometimes road right. scenarios. Um, so, but uh, I'm going to be frank with you. When the encounter takes place at or inside of a home or the curtilage, and the curtilage is the immediate area surrounding the home, which is enclosed, uh, that type of thing, then uh, there is a, a fantastic defense that uh, criminal lawyers will latch on to and uh, will assert. So is there a requirement that the homeowner or the person who is, I guess, defending themselves, is it required that they speak first, that something occurs first prior to shooting? Well, that's where the litigation uh, exists because it's what's happening in the, in the person's mind. It's how they feel concerning what they think is happening at the moment. So uh, the lawyers will file what's known as a, a standard ground motion to dismiss. It's an immunity motion, which allows the court to hold almost a mini hearing or a mini trial before the uh, case gets to a full-blown criminal trial against the shooter or the person who uses some other force. And the witnesses are brought in uh, for testimony. Physical evidence is considered. There are opening statements. There are closing arguments. And, uh, you know, therein lies like the, uh, the, the, the great, I guess, haze. Because, you know, when, when the fog clears, sometimes the shooter or the, uh, the person who defended uh, his or herself is exonerated. Other times they are made to still stand trial, which still affords them the right to submit the same defense. Uh, to a jury and to the same judge at some juncture uh, during the trial itself. So they, they have basically like two other opportunities to still assert uh, that type of defense for his or her actions. Okay, so <laughs> so I, I don't have to, you know, wait till you get to my doorbell. I don't have to say who is it. I can just come out guns blazing um, <laughs> I, uh, okay, I just don't. I don't get that. And the other thing I don't get is why are they kind of talking around? They keep saying it's a there is a racial component. What does that exactly mean? We don't know what that means. We know what was said. We know that uh, there is a 84 year old white shooter and a 16 year old black teenager um, who were involved in Mm -hmm. the incident. Um, Because the two have different races, uh, I'm not certain that that constitutes, quote, a racial component, unquote. There are different races involved in the incident, but um, I would think that a racial component means racial motivation for what took place, Um, i.e. that the shooter shot the black teenager because of his race. So that has not been said yet. I am well, waiting well, as you Yeah, are I know. It, it, they haven't said that. They just keep, keep saying there's a racial component. Um, how is that proven? Uh, what, what, what is, how is it determined that there's a racial component? That's what I was saying. Are they saying that he actually said something? Is it, you know, I mean, I, the one thing I heard is that he was in fear, the, the defendant who right, did the right, shooting, right. was in fear because of the size of the person. But they did not, they have not said a racial epithet was used or anything like that. And they wouldn't. You, you, there, there is going to be audio uh, recording of the interview. Uh, the shooter said that he saw uh, Ralph pulling on the exterior door handle. And he also mm-hmm. said that he thought Ralph was trying to break into the home. Uh, and in addition, he said he was scared to death due to the boy's size. 
So we know there is an audio preserved statement that will mm-hmm. now give us more insight on this issue. Um, and I so suspect it may not necessarily, that is where it, the comment came from. Go ahead. So it may not necessarily have been anything that he said at the time of the incident, but it's something that he said um, during the investigation after the shooting that could determine that there was a, a, some sort of racial motivation involved. Sure, sure. And okay. he could have called 911 himself and said something and, and had been recorded. There could have been other people in the house that he, he, he reported to. Or he could have run out of the house after the, the, the shooting and said some things, some racial epithets, you know, as things were unfolding. You know, we'll, we'll see as things develop. You know, just, you, yeah. know, hang, you know, hang on. I think the <laughs> other on. sad – I just think the other sad part is that you know, the the young man is looking for help afterwards and is just being turned away. It's almost like the Samaritan story in a, in a way in the Bible. You know, uh, people see you in, in need of help, you know, but no one wants to get involved. Yeah, yes, that, that definitely got my attention, as, as it should, um, yeah. you know, most definitely. But I'm sure in the near future you're going to hear – uh, more and more uh, about what took place, which would give you greater insight so that we're more accurately, uh, you know, talking about this amongst ourselves. I know that um, uh, Mr. Yalls has uh, a civil attorney uh, on the case already, mm-hmm. and uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting because there is no government to sue here. Uh, this is a homeowner who shot a citizen in the community. So um, I just uh, I want to I want to watch this unfold. You know, typically we yeah. see uh, a lawsuit against a municipality or against an employee uh, who works for that municipality. Mm-hmm. We rarely see the lawsuit going now against a neighbor, uh, where the civil counsel jumps in and is viscerally and is making statements and doing some some things. Uh, that, uh, you know, are awakening our senses of social justice. So, so I, I want to see how this is managed in that, uh, in that capacity. I also wanted to talk to you about Mr. Uh, Crosley Green uh, oh returning to prison. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that okay. case is, is just heart-wrenching. Uh, yeah, Crosley, Crosley Green. In case, um, excuse me, uh, the listeners aren't aware of who we're talking about, uh, is a is a Florida man uh, who was convicted of murder about uh, 30 years ago, and uh, went to prison, and in fact was sentenced to death. Uh, the conviction ultimately uh, resulted in him being resentenced. And uh, the death penalty was overturned, and he began to serve a life uh, sentence. Uh, but there were issues with respect to the conviction itself. The case involved uh, a couple uh, who were uh, said to have been robbed by Mr. Green. Uh, the, the couple, the boyfriend was shot. The, the, uh, the girlfriend survived. And uh, she pointed uh, Mr. Green out. She picked him out of a lineup. And uh, the physical evidence that uh, followed what she uh, alleged happened did not uh, disclose his fingerprints on a vehicle that was used to transport the couple prior to the killing. Uh, There apparently was uh, uh, no gunshot residue. Uh, located on um, anyone, which would be consistent with what Mr. Green was said to have done. Uh, One of the damning factors, though, was that uh, Mr. Green's own sister testified against him uh, at the trial, but Mm. later recanted her testimony, and that that really hurt. Uh, But uh, ultimately, uh, he was convicted for this murder, and uh, then uh, it was discovered that at some point the prosecutors withheld evidence that might have exonerated him. So because of that, the, uh, the court 
uh, allowed Mr. Green to be released for a period of time during uh, the appellate process because the state attorney took an appeal. They appealed mm-hmm. it to a federal court. The federal court uh, disagreed with the judge who was going to give Mr. Green another trial. And uh, while the case made its way to the United States Supreme Court for final review, um, he was released and he was out amongst us for about two years, uh, living his life. So, uh, the court denied uh, a review, and therefore uh, the judge at the local level had to return Mr. Green from conditional release to prison, and um, he uh, reentered prison on Monday uh, to begin uh, or to uh, resume his life sentence. <sighs> That is just – I don't know what to say about it. That's just uh, – that's aggravating. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know what else to say. Uh, you know, I mean, it, at this point, they really could have just said, you know, let him out for time, sir. Because it's not like he was let out and he was back doing criminal activity, you know. Especially at, at this age, you know. What are your thoughts? I, I would agree that a, a, a time served um, sentence would have uh, would have uh, probably sufficed. But I think one of the problems with that is that Mr. Green doesn't want a time served. Um, at some point, I believe he was offered uh, some. Um, sentence in the case, um, some plea bargain in the case, and he refused to, to, to take the, the plea bargain because he said he didn't kill this man. So, you know, you can't yeah. offer something that a person isn't willing to take. Uh, and, and number true. two, I mean, you got to think about that. Okay, number two, you know, you've got, you know, you got all this evidence which um, doesn't tend to be proof beyond and to the exclusion of a reasonable doubt that he killed this human being. And it's easy to say it's the easy way out, but think about standing in the well and admitting that you killed a human being. You know, think about you doing that, and you know you didn't kill a human being. Right. Um, I don't know how easy it is to, to, to take that type of uh, accountability for that severe of an offense. So um, uh, he's now a man of faith, and he has been very, very vocal about his faith in a higher being and his faith mm-hmm. in the justice system. And he's standing on his face. Um, so um, I, um, I understand the decision that he made earlier. And I also understand the, the justice system as it exists right now. Um, I don't like it. Okay? I don't like it one bit because I think there was prosecutorial misconduct. And I think he needs another trial. And I think that trial yeah. would, would, would bear out what did or did not happen. His first trial was unfair. I think if the prosecutor withheld evidence, then we're not talking about due process. We're talking about a system that is, 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 is fallible and which cannot be relied upon to man basically to uh, a grade for the rest of his life inside of the uh, Department of Corrections. Let me ask you something. I mean, he, he maintains that he did not commit the murder and everything, and, and he's voluntarily going back. Do you think there is an element of this where, because he was in for what thirty-two years, do you think there's an element, yeah, of this where he is just more comfortable on the inside than he is outside? Like, no. Okay, I'm just asking, you know, because trying to get reacclimated to a society that's much different than it was thirty-two years ago. Might might have been a little bit daunting if he didn't have the right, you know, tools in place to help him get acclimated. That's all I'm asking. He fell in love between his conditional release and return to prison, um, and he was, I believe, engaged to marry. Uh, there is a really mm-hmm. moving article uh, that um, I reviewed where his fiance talking about missing him and, and he, he is expressing his love for her. His family still remained intact and supportive. 
And when mm-hmm. he went back to prison, he was flanked by his fiance and his relatives at the gate. Mm-hmm. So he has a support network, and I can't imagine a scenario where he chose prison over his fiance and his family uh, under these conditions. Okay. You're right. So we got to keep watch on that and we got to keep him in prayer. I mean, is there anything that that can be done, like, you know, from the public, petitions, anything? Does any of that type of stuff work in this case? Yes. There's something known as clemency. Clemency is the process of executive pardoning. It is done through the governor's office. It doesn't have to be any governor who makes a decision who makes a decision to release him uh, for a number of reasons. It's just it's purely at the governor's discretion. Um, So, and there is also another process that it's not going to happen. Uh, but it's similar to what we used to call parole, but I don't believe that's going to happen. I, I think I think at this point, uh, clemency is his only uh, avenue, and I believe that's going to happen. I think that's going to happen. I don't know if this governor will do it, but I see that in the cards. You know, this has made national uh, news, and everyone's looking at this one, and uh, we all know that something wrong happened here, you know. Even the, one of the witnesses mm-hmm. who, who testified against them, not just the sister who recanted, but another person um, mm-hmm. came back and said that they lied and they were told to lie. Um, a lot of things were inconsistent wow. with his guilt in this particular case. And uh, back to uh, the young teenager, Mr. Uh, Yarl, uh, what, what should we be looking for at this point with, it, with that particular case? prosecutor's office to, again, responding to the criminal defense team. The criminal defense team will be asserting a standard ground defense. They will be uh, trying to uh, paint the light uh, favorably uh, towards uh, and for the the shooter in the case. And my belief is that they are going to get a pretrial hearing on immunity and that there is a substantial chance that that uh, motion will be granted. Um, and uh, he will be released. Um, that's what I am. I'm. I'm telling you, will probably happen in this particular case. Right. It's so. I mean, you don't. I don't like it. You don't like it. You know. Uh, but I can see because it happened at a home. This happening. He shot him through the glass too. I mean, that's another thing too. That that caught. Yeah. He shot him through the glass. He didn't open the door. He shot right. him through the glass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will it trigger any revisions on the stand your ground law? You think? Uh, well, that's you know another another state. So um, yeah, I think yeah it, it, it might trigger some revisions, but it's the law we want, the law we ask for, and you're going to get uh, problems. It's not it's not perfect, but um, I, I think it'll it'll trigger some, but not not many, not many, just because of this instance. No, not many. Mm. Anything else we need to be? I know, I know, like I said, it was like okay. Right after we talked, you know, these, these you know, couple these two things happen. Anything else we need to be kind of keeping our eye on and and, and maybe discuss at a later date? Uh, maybe take a look at the protests uh, that are taking place in Ohio regarding Jalen Walker. That's about it. It's the mm-hmm. uh, the grand jury refused to indict the officers who shot him ninety four times. Uh, mm. Closed down in Ohio. And uh, people are out there as we speak protesting uh, about justice for Jalen. So um, that's probably not going anywhere, but there will be a civil suit that will be filed in that particular case, and I'll be watching it. We reported on that case last year uh, before we got the grand jury's decision this week. All right. We will be watching. Thank you so much for coming back, Kevin. Really appreciate it. You take care. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Tomorrow, Tech Thursday, third Thursday of the month, with Burton Kelso. Enjoy your day, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care.